I thank you kindly for firing up the podcast system. That's cast with me, podcast system. With me, lovey. And yes, that is my real name. Every episode, I tackle something new in the world of politics, pop culture, race, and the lack of relations. Be sure to subscribe and enjoy every shady moment. Be hashtag blessed, y'all. podcast system y'all we made it another week happy friday wait is it friday i really can't be making declarative statement like that i don't know what day it is not knowing the day of the week is a special kind of privilege by the way which brings me to what we're going to talk about today checking one's privilege one of the most eye-opening aspects of the covid19 pandemic is the sheer inequities of people in our communities today's episode is going to focus on privilege and how we view it, how it affects us, and how we all have a way of trying to distance ourselves from it. I personally hate outwardly guilt-tripping people, so I've come up with a really fun method where I came up with this game called Check Your Pandemic Privilege at the Door. You know you want to play. So grab a paper and pen, and if you're driving, where the hell are you going? You're supposed to be home. Fine, fine. Use your mental math. Let's go through some questions together, and if your answer is yes, you get one point. First question, do you have clean running water in your home? I know, can you believe that there are still some people in the U.S. who don't? Do you have enough toilet paper to mummify your whole family? Do you have the luxury of an in-home washer and dryer? Can you walk outside your front door and easily avoid overly close-talking neighbors? Are you quarantined with people you love? Is the ground thawed enough to bury a body in case that love turns very south? Is your fridge fully stocked? Are you making gourmet meals via your new masterclass subscription? Are you employed? Is your job keeping you safe? Are you still getting and giving the ill Nana at home? That's two points. Are you blessed to have a house large enough to accommodate extended family? And are they newly gluten-free and have a propensity to drink up your Savion Blanc and eat your tuna fish with no regards for your feelings while usurping the Wi-Fi and skipping ahead in episodes of Insecure? If so, take away a point. Hell, take two. And if his name is Jake, that's minus five. And lastly, did you vote for Trump? Well, then fuck you, then. All jokes aside, it's kind of crazy to look at the country, let alone the world, and see the varying levels of how people are handling this. Even just looking at the memes and jokes posted on social media, you may laugh at the image of people with homemade masks on the subway using things like birthday hats and plastic bags. And then you realize they weren't joking when they put them on their faces. Many of us have the luxury of knowledge. We know what kinds of masks will actually protect us and have access to those things. With that being said, I'd like to welcome the first guest to the first episode. He hails from the Crimson Campus and is currently working on his PhD in political theory. He's also a graduate of Colby College and a New Yorker by birth and heart. 
He has an incredible older sister that has taught him a lot in life. Thank you and welcome to the podcast, Jake Roundtree. So welcome. So we're going to go through a couple of questions. We're going to talk a little bit about people. We're not going to throw too much shade. Okay, just a little bit. All right. So Jake, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> You're always ready, aren't you? I was born ready. Okay, let's not get a, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Well, but before we start, that tuna fish was fair grabs. Man, don't touch. Okay, listen. Let, let, let's skip that part. We'll skip the tuna fish. You know, we have enough in stock. All right, so I want to start with talking about our culture and what is this crisis, do you think, taught us so far about our culture, specifically domestically, you know, like in the U.S.? What is What do you think it's taught us a little bit? I think the questions you pose at the start of this conversation reveal exactly what this crisis has taught us, which is we've been social distancing for a long time. And that's precisely why we're in the position that we're in. Our leaders have been social distancing from their constituents. Our constituents have been social distancing from politics. They're not aware that a lot of our politicians suffer from privilege. Privilege is actually not a privilege for society. So you use the word suffer from privilege? Yes. Okay. I think, Explain. I think it's I think privilege is a cause for society. Well, and, obviously. And I and I think that's precisely the point, which is the indulgent attitudes and behavior patterns that are generated as a consequence of privilege is precisely why we're in the situation that we're in. We have politicians that didn't see the need to think about emergency situations and put institutions and structures in place to make sure we didn't end up in the kind of situation we're in. Just to clarify, mm -hmm. we're talking about the greedy-ass politicians who chose to sell stocks before telling their constituents that the world was coming to an end? Yeah, those people. Oh, okay, those, those people. people. I, just wanted, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we put some names on it, you know? we got to put some names we on it. Drop some names. Um, and that's precisely the problem, which is we let people who have sold us a story about themselves being better than everybody else because they have all the money and power um, get away with running our societies, you know, without an awareness of the real situations that everyday people face. Okay, but we voted for these people. And by we, I mean they, because I did not vote for some of these people who were making some of these dumbass decisions right now. But, like, how did we even get here? How did it get to the point where we have politicians who are so self-centered that they wouldn't even think, like, man, I should probably tell people that things aren't looking good right now? Well, part of that is we thought we had privileges that we didn't have. Like what? And that's what coronavirus is teaching us. Well, for one, you know, America has long thought that the troubles of the world would never visit us. That is also true. Right? That is very true. We, we And... In January, we saw China suffering from this coronavirus epidemic, and we looked at it and said, well, that's terrible for them, <laughs> but uh, glad we won't ever have to deal with that. As long as, right, as long as it wasn't affecting shipments from China coming to America, everybody seemed like it was no big deal. And even if it did, we said, well, we'll get it from Vietnam, you know, too, too bad, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's the biggest issue, you know, that's one of the big issues, right? Okay. We, we've... We don't have the kind of consciousness that taps us into the problems that the rest of the world suffers from. We see the Israel-Palestine conflict and says, well, that doesn't have anything to do with us. You know, ter terrorism or um, climate change, you know, all these things are foreign problems. 
Yeah. And America has long had this sense of itself that it is exception is is an exception. Yeah, we live. I mean, problems. yes, we've been living in a bubble. We've been enjoying the bubble. The bubble hasn't been perfect for some black people in particular, but. You know, we've we've ignored a lot of the stuff that's been going around the world, and all of a sudden, everyone's in their feelings. And I don't feel bad for them. I know I should, right? Well, that's the problem, is because on one level, you look at this situation, you kind of you kind of think that, you know, the the, the, um, the roosters has come home to roost. <laughs> what's the phrase? The roost has come home to... The chicken has come, come home, home to, to roost, roost, right? Yeah, there we go. And, and, but then you remember... <laughs> We're all in this together, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I had a friend talking to me the other day and said, you know what? A lot of these southern governors aren't willing to institute stay-at-home orders because they have this strong belief in individualism and that the state shouldn't impose anything on the people. And and he said, you know what? Let those citizens get what's coming to them. Precisely because they voted for those politicians. I said, yeah, but on the other side of it... It trickles there's a, down. There's a lot of black folk down there who did not vote for those people. And who are the and who and have suffering, to suffer and as a consequence. Not just have to suffer, but are suffering the worst. I mean, like, looking around Detroit, um, you know, <laughs> New York City. Chicago. You know, all of these major cities where the virus came. The virus came. The virus came in full force, and it didn't come through the poor... You know, and the black and Hispanics, it came from the wealthy, the privileged, the the students who were traveling abroad. What is it that that's, that uh, research that they did recently that found out that Pretty New York much. City, mm-hmm. it came from Europe. Yeah. Europe. But, you know, I'm not I'm not bitter. But, you know, one of the things like like you were saying is the reason this thing spread around the globe was. These globetrotters. Yeah. It was not the poor who spread this thing around the world. No. They don't have the resources to travel. It was the people who take flights from China to Europe, to from Europe to America, from South America, etc. It was not the working class. But the working, it's the working class, the working class, class the, the working class was working. They're working. <laughs> they were busy working. And the working class is still working. And still suffering the consequences of other people's selfish decisions. And listen, I get it. Before we knew how bad this was and people who were traveling and they were doing their thing. And okay, I'm not angry that you came back and like infected everybody, but somehow you're fine. It was the people who knew what was happening and continued and still continue to act like it's no big deal. Because it doesn't affect them. Like, they live in their towers with their gates and their food and their food and their food. Why are people buying so much food? Like, this is actually a problem for me. Like, I'm really having issues that every time I go out, and I don't go out that often, and if I drive by the supermarket and I see the parking lot, no matter what time of day it is, people are buying food. I'm like, where are you putting it all? They're not buying it and donating it. Where the hell is it going? I mean, my suspicion is people are buying it, and a lot of food is going to waste. But people just, they like, have the resources to get it, so they're getting it. And it's its a me versus the world kind of uh, way of thinking, mm-hmm. right? And so people aren't going into the supermarket saying, okay, I'm going to get enough for my family for the next two weeks and make sure there's enough left over for everyone else to get what they need. No, that's, and that's <laughs> that would just be way too kind. Too caring. And the fact that we live in a society in which people don't think like that. Yeah. You know, so you ask me, what has this crisis taught us about our culture? It's taught us 
that we don't ask the kinds of questions you pose at the top of this episode. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, listen, and, and I have to admit, you know, we grew up and we didn't have much, but we also weren't completely without, you know, like we grew up in a in Brooklyn and then we moved to Queens and mom had the job and, you know, we were, we were okay. You know, I didn't know, <laughs> relatively speaking, how, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not wealthy <laughs> we were, but I felt like we had enough. We had what we needed to survive. You know, Christmas wasn't exactly like the bonanza that I see people living with today, but it was okay. But now I understand like life is a little bit better for me. Like we've got a little more money than we had before. And it just, it really boggles my mind when I look around and I look on social media, which I really have to stop doing. And to see the things that people are complaining about, like, sends me into a rage like no other. It's it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. I just don't get it. So what are you seeing? What am I seeing? Oh, my God. Okay, so one of the best things that I saw online was um, in our town. It's a wonderful little town in, in New Hampshire. You know, people were complaining about the fact that they're closing the tennis courts and the golf courses. It got to the point where 6,400 people signed a freaking petition. 6,400 people in the seacoast area of New Hampshire signed a goddamn petition to open up the golf courses. They reached out to the governor as if this man had nothing else better to do and said, I cannot fathom how you would close the golf courses. What in the world shall we do? Bitch, go work. Do something. I don't know. Walk up and down your stairs. Like, figure out a way. But if everyone else is having to let go of things, like, why in the world should the governor be like, yes, golf is it. Golf is going to be where it's at. I'm not angry. Just venting a little bit. But anyway, like, so you're you're, you're younger than I am. You have a different group. Go ahead. Um, I have to cough. Is, is Would that be okay? I, I swear Man, you... I am okay. I, I, I just ahead. need to ask for permission. Can I just say, I no, you need to ask for permission because we're legit sitting in a closet. Okay? We're sitting in a closet, and now I feel like this might be my first and last I, episode. You, 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 you told me to drink water before. I did. I did. I told you to drink. All right. But, so you know, I'm an American, so I don't like to listen to anybody telling me what to ding, do. Ding, ding. <laughs> you know. Just because I can criticize them doesn't mean I'm better than them. And I think that's the point. We were taught this way. It's not our fault. You know, we were taught like this. How did, how did Dad used to say it? Uh, don't do what I do. Just, just do what do I, I tell say. you. Yeah, do, do what, what I, I say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. And that's, and that's the problem with these leaders. You see them. You know, what did Trump say the other day? He said, you know, everyone should start wearing a mask. I won't wear a mask, but y'all should wear a mask. And you wonder, what kind of leadership is that? And if you look at other countries around the world that are actually seeming to, I don't know, tackle this in the right way, they're all showing by example. Though I have to admit, the Italians and the Italian leaders, they are no joke. Like, I would be afraid to go outside. <laughs> but they have drones flying across the city, and they're like, I will come and I will fuck you up if you don't get in your house. I don't know. Maybe we need a little bit of that just to like rile people up in the Upper East Side. I love the Italian politicians. It's <laughs> yeah. a beautiful thing. First of all, they, they give all their press conferences from the inside of their homes. Because right? they're home. They're home. <laughs> they're home. You know, you got you got American politicians still giving their press conferences before a whole audience in the right? rotunda of like you know the 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 Senate room with people all 
not quite six feet away. It's a, it's almost like they're making a mockery of it. It's like a joke. Well, we, we also know that a lot of people made a mockery of it, and, and they're still making a mockery of it. But, yeah, I remember when I, when I was still at Harvard, um, well, I mean, before no they expelled us from campus. Oh, before and, you had and, to, and like, move up homes. here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they had, you know, the students, it was right before spring break, and all of them were saying, yeah, you know, I'm still going to go on my flight. I'm still going to go on my trip. And they didn't see it as a problem because for them, they saw the data. The data said only people who are old or had pre-existing conditions would die from this. And so, Yeah. Well, we know that the young are, well, the young are who they are. And watching all those people on spring break and watching people on the campuses, I mean, you saw it. You know, our sister Christine, who works at a university, saw it. She said when they told people they were leaving, they started partying as if this was the last hurrah. And I said, you know what they should have done? They should have done like they do when they evict poor people from their apartments. You come back home and there's an eviction notice on your door. You can't get your stuff. Yeah, the door's doors locked. Locked. They should have just locked the doors. You might have the sheriff standing outside waiting for you. You got the dean at the door waiting and being like, there's nothing we could do. You got to go now. You got to go. I one time I was a week late on a, a, a rent payment and the landlord had come by. You know, for once I asked him to do something. Of course, you know, um, that and <laughs> the combination of being a week behind on my payment. And he said to me, It was probably you know, more than a week, but yes. Well, I had been a week behind every single month for that year, but that's another matter. Um, you know, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. You know, that's neither here nor there. But, but but he said to me, "You're lucky I don't have the sheriff." You know, I didn't have the sheriff outside waiting for you. For real? Yeah. And I said, "I've been living there for six years." And, and this you gonna call the sheriff? You gonna call the sheriff on the first time that I'm a little late? But I. It, but it's also <laughs> the case that that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Which is. Those students felt that they were treated so unfairly, and they, it was unfathomable to mm-hmm. them that they were treated in this way. And you got a lot of people in this country, well, that would just be another day. Yeah. Not even just this country. I mean, like, and legitimately, we are, in the grand scheme of things, we are a very blessed country. You know, and I, I just, the word blessed just... Well, anyway, we are another blessed... Another way of putting it, we're rich. We're rich as hell. We're super rich. Like, we... The poor are richer than oh, yeah. some of the middle class in other countries. And looking at how people are behaving, though, they're acting like all the things that they deserve in life have been taken from them. And I'm like, somebody just said, you got to hang out at home for a couple of months. Like, hang out at home for a couple of months with your Wi-Fi and your cable and your water and your food and all of that other stuff that you have filling your house. Well, well, think about it like this. I mean, you've got people sitting there saying, you know, I've been home for two weeks. This is not acceptable. There's no, this is inhumane. How could anyone live under these conditions? Now, they're at their <laughs> home, right? And at the same time, you've got prison inmates. Oh, my God. Who are in there for nonviolent offenses. Some people who have not even been prosecuted yet because a lot of people, you know, they they're, haven't they're been in jail. processed, right? They haven't they, been processed. Because they couldn't pay bail. And now they can't be processed because the system is so um, uh, stunted in terms of uh, moving cases along. And no one cares about them. No. So you have to think about that. You're sitting there at your home and you're saying, well, this is inhumane. And there's prison inmates and in the, there's people who are in prison right now for smoking weed. 
And no one cares about them. Which you now can buy at your local dispensary for the mere price of $10 a pop. Well, weed sales are through the roof. I'm going to, you know, like, yeah, weed sales are... Weed sales are through It was one of those things where they were like, it's going to be a stay-in-place order, and everyone ran to the supermarket, the liquor store, and the dispensary. And you're like, this is such a clear indication of the kind of people we are and the kind of things are, quote-unquote, necessities for us in this country. And I'm not going to lie, I might have also gotten a case of Prosecco, Two, but or three cases. Did you know? Listen, we're not giving out finite details, Jacob. We're just talking about big picture issues. Thank well, you, you know, very that's much. the problem. If we don't care about the details in this country, I think we need to talk about the details. Look, we're talking <laughs> about other people's details. Nah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> What's the rule? <laughs> we don't call out family business, not to people outside the family. But we okay. all have to be held to account, Lovey. Yeah. But okay, so okay, let's talk about. So we've talked about how selfish and and you know, uh, uh, privileged individuals are. What about the businesses? Yeah, I guess we weren't supposed to call anyone out. Um, uh, no, we violated a couple of criteria. Just, but we'll talk later. The businesses. I mean, come on, come on. What's going on? What's going on in the world today? Right? They passed the stimulus package, and they just hand over a fortune to these corporations. And did they ask for anything in return? Did they say to the CEOs, okay, those of you making $20, $30, $40 million a year, you know, with with half a billion dollars in stock in the company, you guys have to take a 90% pay cut to cover the the, um, wages of your employees before you get your check. No, they didn't say anything like that. Or, I don't know, make promises to the people that have given you money who are still waiting for services that you're supposed to put out. Nope. Sounds like you got something specific in mind. I mean, I'm just saying that I might have had an Airbnb reservation (laughs) that went south. Like, okay, so we were supposed to go to D.C. at the end of April. And, you know, Airbnb, which is also a bit of a sham, it's like the best scammers business setup. You've got people who are renting out locations who actually don't own these locations. And so what happened is you got all these people who are like, oh shoot, I can't pay the rent for the place that I actually don't own, but I pretend to own. Whatever. So we had this wonderful place in DC that we're supposed to go to. And, you know, on Airbnb's website, they're like, yeah, everybody's going to get a full refund. No problem. We know that the world's come to an end. Just go ahead and submit the paperwork. So I click on the buttons and nothing happens. And I'm like, well, this is kind of shy. Like, what's, 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 what's going on? Mm-hmm. So I call the host and the host is like, well, there's nothing we could do. I'm like, what do you mean there's nothing we could do? Like, you, you know I can't come, right? They were like, well, we have a very strict cancellation policy. And I'm like, dude, we're not in normal times. So then I go back to Airbnb and after being on like a chat with them for about an hour and a half, this dude is like, okay, great. We can offer you a refund. Completely understand. He's like, but can you prove that you cannot travel to D.C. from where you are? I'm like, can I prove? I was like, can anyone travel from anywhere in the country? There's a stay in place order everywhere. And he was like, yeah, but I need evidence. So I legit had to send him the PDF link to the state of New Hampshire's stay in place order. And it took him 20 minutes to verify it. Before then, they said, okay, I guess we can give you your full refund now. I'm like, what kind of games are we playing? You see that? Now, there's one or two ways you can read that. One is is just bureaucratic nonsense 
you know, getting in the way. The other is, is deliberately put there to keep people from getting their money oh, yeah. back. Because they know that some people are just going to get fed up and yep. say, you know what, forget it. I don't have the time or I'm at work or it's just too much of a hassle and I can't figure out how to go through this system. And they'll just lose the money because they assume they can't earn it back. And, you know, companies like that should be audited. And yeah. you should see how much money they ended up retaining. Yeah. Precisely because they put up such obstacles to people getting legitimately deserved refunds. Right. And I bet you if it's in it's in the tune of billions of dollars oh, yeah. across the board. Right. Oh, You've yeah. got a lot of hotels, airlines, um, Airbnb, all sorts of corporations mm-hmm. that are actually benefiting from this situation. Right. Because they don't have to provide services for um, dollars that have already been rendered. Yeah. And you got other businesses that are shutting down at the same time. And so we have to look in, and, and that's why the details do matter. You've got to do a full auditing of what's going on in this country and who's benefiting from this situation not and who's hurting. And, and like you mentioned before, you've you got these congressmen who sold shares in companies. So when are we going to put them, as you say, on, on trial? trial. <laughs> I mean, they got to go to trial. you got to go to trial. So I have to, I have to say... You know, we've been at the house now for for 30 days and literally every time something comes up on the news or we read an article about something, I look over and Jacob's like, going to trial now. Yeah. You're going to trial now. So we have a long list of people who need to be going on trial for some of these actions. So one of the last couple of questions I want to ask you, what do you think, you know, when this is all done, whatever done means, you know, because there are going to be various stages of done. There's going to be the immediate okay, now you guys can leave your homes and kind of go back to work. There'll be the next stage of we'll have massive events again and football games and ugh, why would anybody go to a football game? But anyway, all those big things are going to finally start to happen. How are we going to change? Like, what do you think is going to actually happen? Well, I mean, it would be a very interesting thing to see if people still go to football games in New England with um, Tom Brady going. Oh but that's God, another matter. Here we go. Um, so- next. Uh, now I forget your question. Next, what's going to happen after? Like, how are we going to be a changed group of people? Well, the question is, will we be a changed group of people? No. And, and that, that's hard to see right now because have we changed? Hmm. Right? Do people want to change? Hmm. I don't, you know what? I don't think, and I know I'm answering the question I just posed to you. I don't think we've reached the point yet where people want to change because everyone's like, I can't wait till it goes back to normal. Normal wasn't so hot for all of us. That's a great point. And that that brings us back full circle, which is if we go back to normal, it means that we didn't learn anything from this situation. Very true. It means that this kind of a situation will occur again and it will be worse. Right. Because coronavirus actually was the kind of thing that was... Something that could have been stamped out very easily. Yeah. And it was incompetence that allowed it to become such a serious problem. Now, I tell you this, though. For the first time in a long time, we are the number one country again. We are the leader in the world for idiocy and stupidity. And now we are the number one country with the number one deaths and and positive cases of coronavirus like what in the actual hell yeah and and a couple of months ago we were pointing our fingers at china and mocking them and they talking really about were. how you know they weren't handling their situation 
adequately. And we looked down upon them. We thought we were better than them. And we ended up worse off than they are. A whole lot. Like, we had all the evidence in the world. It's almost like they gave us a playbook. And they said, you might not want to do that. And I still remember this day when Italy was saying, please learn from us. Don't do what we did. And we were like, bet. We're not going to do that. They begged us. <laughs> they they like, begged us they, to not fall into the same trap they had fallen into. They begged us from their balconies as they were singing songs nightly to their EMTs. And we still went ahead. And our response was fake news. Yeah. Fake news. Um, I do what I want. Every state has their own different opinion about how they handle it. I think we still don't have all of the states on on a streamlined method of how to test, how to, you know, uh, uh, service people. Like, it's so disjointed. It's, it's, it's very disjointed. You even see, just today, Andrew Cuomo said, well, I'm not ready to say that we're going to cancel school for the rest of the year. Oh, well, that's, that's a whole different... Okay. that's a, th- th- This brings up the point of... Politicians are now using this as their way to get ahead. Every other politician is like, look at me, and now I'm the face of changing the world. And it's like, yeah, but are you actually doing anything? That's that's the, the, the real question, which is, what good are these leaders doing? Nothing! They, they have all the power in the world. And, and you look at the business leaders. We had talked about the business leaders. How many of them are stepping up to actually help solve some of the problems that we face? They have billions of dollars of resources at their disposal. When the cathedral in France burned. Right, the Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. The Notre Dame Cathedral Dame. burned. Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, some, of, know, us didn't, some of us did not pass our French say. class. Oui, um, you took Spanish. Yeah, well, you know. Anyway. You know, I'm, I, sorry. I'm an expert on French philosophy, but there we go. Uh, I don't speak French. Um, you know, talk about privilege. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but of course, you know, you have billionaires showing up, offering millions of dollars to support the effort of rebuilding the cathedral. A church, yeah. Right? And here at home, the very people who have made these corporations rich are being left behind yep. by these same corporations. In fact, they're being let go from their jobs. Yeah, with with no promises of what's going to happen when and if we recoup what we, uh, you know, the sort of uh, financial state we were in before. So not to uh, prolong this too long because we've got many, many more weeks to go. My final question to you, which is a really important one. With us being New Yorkers. It's not about the tuna fish, is it? It's not about the goddamn tuna fish. Right, but I'm going to put it out there. If you eat it again, if you eat it again, I swear to God, we are... We are throwing you make, fists. You make good tuna fish. I know right? I make good tuna fish. Okay. And lentils. Trader Joe's lentils. Anyway. Well, I'm not touching the lentils. <laughs> you never again. So That's with, a step too far. <laughs> so with both of us being New Yorkers, which Cuomo brother are you? Oh, boy. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm dad's favorite after Christine. Well, you know, it's a little weird because <laughs> you're the politician. Huh. In actual fact, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but you're also the media personality because this is your podcast. So it seems like you're both of the Cuomo brothers. That's a perfect place to end. <laughs> I love that. I am all of the Cuomo Well, maybe next time you have the conversation with yourself. <laughs> you know what? And on that note, I thank you, Jake Roundtree. And <laughs> we will see you 
next time. Do I so, get paid now? No, you don't get it. You get paid in tuna fish. Shut up. So I hope to see you guys. And by see, I mean hear you guys hearing me. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're not going to pay me. No, I'm not going to pay him. I'm not going to pay him at all. He lives here for free. Uh, so my last point and note for everybody out there is really take a second and every time you want to say something, do something, think about something that's in relation to yourself and the others around you, like check your privilege, you know, how bad off is this? And are you actually in a good place? Like think about the things that you can appreciate in life. Think about what you do have, the people around you. Are you still able to eat, laugh, drink, enjoy your captivity of sorts? And that's it. That's it. And so we'll see you next time. Thank you to our host, Clovercrest Media Group, Kev from BK for our visual arts, and the fire intro song, Filthy, by TVP Records. Podcast system.